Hello, hello, welcome to Griff Talks Football. Yes, it is an episode, and you know what it is. The review and previews of these games coming up, and the games that have happened, of course. And then, uh, the playoff picture today, which what I, I will talk about a little bit. And I'll explain more in grave detail, or not so much grave, but, you know, in detail um, uh, later on this week after I upload my episode uh, on Friday of the relationship and what and why it needs to work between uh, Matthew Stafford and Matt Patricia um, on uh, my third episode of One Take. Uh, The series have been starting as of late uh, or recently, if you will. Um, for the current fall 2019 season. So, um, but before I even explain more details about that, um, it is time to review the games that happened last weekend, starting with last Thursday, the 49ers versus the Cardinals. And when I do these reviews, again, it's just... I, I sum it up in a sentence of the main theme and explain in detail. So again, 49ers versus Cardinals. Jimmy G shines in competitive matchup. The end of the score ended up being 28-25. It was really domination up until late in the fourth quarter by the 49ers. Um, now, however, they did not run the ball as successful as they wanted to. Again, they're currently ranked first in the NFL for rushing yards, rushing attempts, And I believe top five in yards per average per carry. uh, Which is, again, all fantastic in their zone scheme. um, Led by the play caller and head coach Kyle Shanahan. However, uh, no one really expected Jimmy G to to shine really by throwing over 300 yards and four touchdowns. And being clutch, um, in a sense, uh, in the last drive of the game to be able to run out the clock and keep the Cardinals from getting the football back. Because, um, again, their passing offense is ranked 24th in the NFL, so it's below average, if you will. However, again, uh, Cardinals were coming back. They had a big pass pass play uh, in a f- with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. That ended up being scored for a touchdown. Cardinals uh, tried to go for the onside, couldn't get it. And then the 49ers, again, uh, were able to run out of the clock by you know throwing the ball, which isn't as recommended, but they were able to get some short completions and then eventually first downs along that drive to not only run out of the clock and run out the timeouts, uh, but then evidently to win the game. So congratulations to uh, Jimmy G shining on Thursday night. Texans versus Jags. Uh, Minshew missed an opportunity. By that I mean he had an opportunity to, of course, not only shine in London, uh, but also to be able to attack the Texans secondary. They were pretty thin. Um, he's got Minshew has got some weapons to throw to. He's got Leonard Fournette, who's been really improving not only his route running but also catching the ball as a big running back. Which, if you have a big back that's athletic, hard to tackle, and can route run really well and can catch the ball well, that's the utmost and by far very impressive. Um, however, um, he threw two picks and fumbled twice. Um, and although he threw over 300 yards, a lot of those plays, again, were, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the plays within that game for the Jaguars offense were pass plays. I believe he threw it over 40 times um, just because not only, number one, they were behind, and number two, 
they weren't having success really running the ball against the Texans defense. And again, this was a wasted opportunity for Minshew to uh, keep his starting gig. Uh, but evidently, because of the loss, or what led to the loss, um, he will be benched this week because Nick Foles has returned from injury, from his uh, clavicle injury, I believe. And so he'll get to start this week. Um, not sure if that will make such a difference on the Jaguars' offense. Who knows? Uh, but the Texans overall dominated despite uh, being thin in the secondary, of course, uh, ended up winning 26 to uh, to three. And Watson, he only got sacked once, but most of the time he had to escape the pressure. But he didn't turn over the ball. He threw two touchdowns, um, and they were able to just dominate mostly, not only by running the ball, keeping the clock, but also again um, not allowing any touchdowns whatsoever. So again, congrats on the Texans on winning that game. Redskins versus Bills. Should we take the Bills seriously? Now, they have an easy schedule, as I'll talk about um, in the playoff picture, um, with eight games left on their schedule. However, they beat the Redskins 24-9. The Redskins are a terrible team this year. Their defense is bad. Their offense is inept. And somehow this game was still somewhat close. And so you got to wonder if the offense will eventually be able to connect not only through play action, of course, but on deeper passes. They can't just consistently rely on John Brown. They can't just consistently rely on Josh Allen running around. He's not as athletic as Lamar Jackson. And they don't necessarily have the offense to do so. They're not built like the Ravens that can run read options and attack up the, up the gut with inside zones. And read inside zones. Or read options, if you will. And it's just, it's, it's not possible. Also, again, yes, they've had success running the ball, but they don't really have explosive backs. Like Singletary has become a nice compliment back to Frank Gore, but they by far are not as explosive, uh, or at least not the fastest running backs in the NFL. And again, Cole Beasley, I believe, is a nice complimentary piece, but he barely gets the ball as it is. And he's not a vertical threat, but he can definitely move the change. I do believe he's an excellent route runner. So you got to wonder when this offense will officially take off, if ever, in the next eight games. It's not doing their defense any favors by not extending drives because eventually that defense will get worn out despite how talented and how well and how well coached the defense is like again don't forget a couple weeks ago they almost beat the Patriots 16 to 10 I mean evidently again lost by six points but they were they were close so again this defense is phenomenal but you got to consider it can't always carry the team consistently you need to have a complimentary team it can't just be an offensive explosion on one side of the ball and no defense. And it can't be a great defense with no offensive explosion. So there's got to there's gotta be a very complimentary football uh, team. And the Bills need to establish that. So again, they have eight games left. But that's something that we should think about as the games continue. Is should we take the Bills seriously even though they're at 6-2? and two, Should we seriously think of them as a potential playoff team? Bears versus Eagles. Oh, Mitch, why the poor performance? 
facing a 32nd overall pass defense again. There's barely any there's barely any pass rush on the Eagles now. And Mitch Trubisky goes 10 out of 21 for 150 yards passing, no touchdowns, no picks either, I believe. Or he may have thrown one interception, but still just terrible performance. They only had nine total yards in the first half. In this day and age, in, in, in any professional, in any sport or any realm of football, whether professional, collegiate, high school, heck, even middle school, with the rules that have been established, there's no reason why an offense should only have nine yards in the first half. And yet the Bears managed only nine yards in the first half. And again, it's not doing their defense any favors. The defense can only carry you to a certain point. And then at a certain point, you need to move the ball offensively. You need to help your defense not only get rest, but score some points. And at at this particular time, um, the way Mitch has been playing, he will not be the Bears starting QB. He will not be on that roster by the time January ends and by the time the Bears... um, God forbid, they somehow make the playoffs impressive, but other than that, they are going to continuously struggle um, mightily. So, but just this was an opportunity to exploit the Eagles secondary despite the targets they have and couldn't do it. Vikings versus Chiefs. Andy Reid is an amazing, fantastic coach. He's turning Matt Moore and making them look like a pro bowler. But granted, that's also due to the weapons they have. Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, LaShawn McCoy, Williams, the backup running back to LaShawn McCoy. Like, and a good offensive line. This is this is amazing. Amazing work that Andy Reid is doing. I believe he's very underappreciated. Yes, he's, he, he's never won a Super Bowl. He's been a one Super Bowl. He's been to plenty of conference championship games. But nevertheless, probably one of the most underrated coaches and should be recognized for the quarterback work that he's doing. Not only, again, as a head coach of a team and then a play caller of a team, but also setting up the quarterback for success. And that's just amazing. Very competitive game. Down to the wire. Ended up going and winning... At the end of regulation on 44-yard field goal, Chiefs won 26-23. And also give the props to uh, the Kansas City defense. Uh, the run defense has been porous as of late, but then they were able to manage and only inhale Delvin Cook to 71 yards. Yeah, 71 yards rushing. Also, Kirk Cousins was 50% completion percentage, throwing the ball 38 times. And again, only completing 19 of those passes, despite the targets that he has. And it's, that was just embarrassing. Like, granted, there's no way. I felt like the Vikings should have won this game. And again, that would have been the Chiefs' fourth home loss. And at that point, we have to consider, you know, the Chiefs could have missed the playoffs. But now the Chiefs, 6-3, and three, have still set themselves up for success in the long run um, by winning a very great competitive game. Uh, nevertheless, congrats on the Chiefs winning it. Jets versus Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins got their first win. Competitive game between two poorest teams, and Dolphins got their first win. 
uh, led by Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who's who's a good quarterback, I would consider, despite being a journeyman. So, congrats on that. Titans versus Panthers. Uh, Tannehill seems to be a better option, and so does Kyle Allen. Um, I've, I, most uh, Throughout the game, the Panthers were dominating. Uh, but then Tannehill, despite throwing two interceptions, threw a touchdown pass and threw over 300 yards. Um, and it has kept the Titans' offense afloat, um, if you will, and has been the better option compared to Marcus Mariota um, thus far. But again, the Titans are 4-5, and five, so we'll have to see how Tannehill continues to play. And then as for Kyle Allen, he's he made some fantastic sharp throws. It was amazing. And unfortunately for Cam Noonan, he's on an injury reserve. And, and if Kyle Allen continues to play well or at least manage and helps the offense continue to move the chains and, and score points through giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey and, and, and throwing the ball to certain targets, um, I don't imagine Cam Newton will, will be there uh, next season. So again, congrats on, on Kyle Allen uh, for making some sharp throws in key moments and again, scoring touchdowns as usual. Christian McCaffrey is a beast, uh, over nearly 150 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns on the ground, um, and then uh, one receiving touchdown. So uh, fantastic, I would say, overall performance despite being 30 to 20 because the Panthers were dominating uh, until late in the fourth quarter. Um, so again, congrats on the Panthers winning. Chargers versus Packers. Uh, Chargers dominated the trenches. They ran the ball. They had a change in offensive coordinator. They promoted the quarterback coach Stein to the offensive play caller. Anthony Lynn has been more involved with the offense uh, for at least this past week when playing against the Packers. And they dominated by just running the ball. They have fantastic backs. Now, granted, Phillip Rivers almost threw for 300 yards, but also he didn't throw that many. He threw around 20, 25, almost 30 passes, but he also didn't turn over the ball and no touchdown passes. But again, uh, just a fantastic overall performance offensively for Chargers. I ended up winning 26 to 11. Also, the pass rush was fantastic and the run defense was stout. And they just got the Packers uh, off rhythm when it, when it came to them playing offense. But also, the Chargers were just dominating the time of possession. And they attacked the, uh, the Packers' run defense, which is porous this year. I think they're ranked 27th when defending the run and allowing uh, rushing yards per game. So, um, Packers will desperately need to fix that eventually because they're going to play some tough competition, especially the 49ers ranking first in rushing yards within the next couple weeks. They really need to fix that run defense. Lions versus Raiders. No trust in Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford threw over 400 yards, a couple touchdown passes. Uh, he did throw a pick, though, but again, he, he had a fantastic overall game. Uh, led the Lions uh, in position to be able to at least tie the game. Now, granted, the Raiders called a timeout on a fourth and goal, and the Lions decided to run the ball in that situation and it got stopped and the Raiders ended up winning 31 to 24. When you have a quarterback that's been putting on a performance like that and has carried your team, you would think that you want to put it in the bet. You, you would want to put the ball in your best player's hands and your best player by far that day has been 
or at least in that game, was Matthew Stafford and his two wide receivers, Galladay and, and Marvin Jones. And evidently, they ran the ball and didn't get it. So it begs the question, as I, as I will do this episode on Friday, is is there trust and is there a good relationship between Matthew Stafford and Matt Patricia? And by that play call on a fourth and goal with no timeouts left, do or die situation, and they run the ball instead, and they don't pass the ball, and, and so now it's another loss to the Lions and a win for the Raiders. Browns versus Broncos. I cannot trust the Browns at this point. Yes, they got Kareem Hunt from a, Hunt from a, a suspension this week, and they'll uh, prepare for an opponent um, against the uh, Bills. But I cannot, I cannot trust them. Despite having all the talent, it inconsistent play calling. Literally, barely identity to the offense, if you will. And Baker has been playing poor. And Freddie Kitchens, by far, is is inexperienced. And again, yes, Kareem Hunt, but that doesn't mean that they'll just pound the ball, right? It doesn't mean they'll be in multiple tight end sets or uh, or have heavy sets with multiple offensive linemen on the field and they don't usually or at least consistently call play action and like here's the thing too in this situation like there it was 24 19 and the browns were going down the field it was 31 at like the 20 something yard line the broncos are in a bear front and a bear front consists of a people literally in the box it's meant to stop the run it's meant for a running situation. Now, granted, you can counteract the bear front by throwing a quick slant, uh, a quick play action pass, or you will be in a heavy set like a goal line where it's multiple tight ends or old linemen in the field that's meant to run the ball, that's meant to be able to push or at least get some crease just to get the first down. However, the Browns were in ace formation with a tight end and have one of the offensive linemen play as a tight end. Alright, okay, six O linemen, but again, that's not enough to counteract a bare front in a numbers game. And they decide to run to the left up the gut, and Nick Chubb that stopped. And then on the fourth and four, they call a pass play. Baker didn't read the one-on-one situation with Odell, looked to his right, and threw in double coverage to Jarvis Landry that ended up being incomplete, and the Broncos ran out the clock. It makes no sense to call that play against a bare front when you don't have a numbers advantage. You had an advantage in that situation to call quick play action or to call a quick pass play. You had an advantage there, but you don't have an advantage having six offensive linemen and a tight end going against a bare front where you only have six people blocking against an eight man front. That's no, you you will lose every time in that situation. You will lose because it's a numbers advantage. It doesn't matter the athletes you have, you will lose. And evidently, it cost the Browns to to lose that game. They're two and six right now. 
and are playing against a very tough opponent, at least defensively, the Bills this week. And I, I don't think the Browns will rip and go eight games winning, eight game winning streak and make the playoffs. I don't think so. I think they'll actually go at best five and 11. I don't see him succeeding. And it's very frustrating as a Browns fan. Buccaneers versus Seahawks. Um, only trusting the offense at this point with the Seahawks. That's that's how I sum it up. It was 40 to 34 at the end of the game in overtime. Russell Wilson, five touchdown passes over 300 yards, escaping, barely any protection at some points in the game. And he helped Seattle win. And so at this point, this is no longer a defensive run the ball team. I mean, the past couple of years when they had a different offensive coordinator, uh, Daryl Bevel, who's now currently the offensive coordinator for the Lions, um, they were run heavy and then they went to more of a pass um, heavy scheme. Um, but then the Seahawks parted ways and now they have Brian Schottenheimer, who's been there for two years now. I believe this is his second year serving as the OC for the Seahawks. And it's it's been beneficial. It's been very beneficial for Russell Wilson. So this is no longer a pound-the-ball run defense. We slowly but surely have now transitioned to a pass-heavy offense with some run balance in there. They are still good running the ball, but it's definitely pass-heavy. Um... And their defense is still under construction. Alright, Colts versus Steelers. Uh, Steelers not out of the playoff race yet. I mean, evidently they won 26-24 thanks to a missed field goal by Adam Van Terry. But he kicked the laces because of the way the ball was set down. You never want to kick the laces. You always want to kick uh, non-laces, if you will, when trying to make a field goal and Evidently, it was the entire special team's fault in that situation for not making that game-winning field goal. Uh, but nevertheless, they pulled it out. And it looks like for the rest of the season that they'll go pound, power, power running. I feel like they're going to go power running, just pound the ball, keep time of possession, and of course score points. But that's that's the way it's gonna it's gonna be uh, for the Steelers. They'll of course throw and they'll throw deep. They have the weapons to do so. Um, but they really to take pressure off Mason Rudolph. Uh, they will pound pound the ball. I feel like that's what it's gonna be. As for the Colts, um, unfortunately Jacoby uh, Jacoby Brissett was injured. He'll come back this week. He's had a messed up knee. Uh, nothing, nothing major. Um, however, and then Brian Hoyer played, but however, um, their offense has been reliant on running the ball too. It's not one that it, it's only 18th in total offense. It's not a great passing offense. Um, so they, I know some people have said they don't miss Andrew Luck. The Colts offense definitely. Def- Definitely miss Andrew Luck. Patriots versus Ravens. Smash mouth football by the Ravens. Patriots couldn't stop Mark Ingram. They couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. They couldn't stop the backup running back Edwards. They couldn't get off their uh, get off the blocks to make a tackle for loss. And it's not like the Patriots have a terrible run defense, but they got hammered. 
Again, I point this out for the past couple weeks that the Patriots, despite having really good defensive stats, have not played a fantastic or athletic or good quarterback or a good offense in general. And this is the first time they played an actually good offense that's ranked top three in points per game, that's ranked number one in rushing yards per game, and not just number one, or I'm sorry, number number two, number two, because the 49ers are number one. Not just that, but it's by far impressive um, because again, the 49ers are a zone scheme team. A lot of a lot of bootlegs or play actions, if you will. And the quarterbacks under center a lot. In this case. Lamar Jackson's out of the pistol or shotgun. He's hardly under the center. And that's an advantage when it comes to read options and having such an athletic QB. And that your play actions become more effective if you have that. Because now the defense needs to uh, try to counteract or at least consider a running play. And so they stack up the box. And then it's just such an effective offense from, from there. So, um, and a Patriots offense needs to hope need, for them. It needs to improve. It, it, it really does really does, uh, because it will struggle throughout November and December, which that's typically has been their bread and butter. That's how they've been able to get the playoffs so well. Uh, but nevertheless, it's a great performance by the Ravens. So. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if teams try to do that against the Patriots. But again, no team has a quarterback like the Ravens in terms of the amount of athleticism and agility. Uh, and so Ravens also dominated 37-20. to 20. Cowboys versus Giants. Uh, Giants online is just terrible. It's terrible. I mean, Cowboys end up winning 37-18, to 18, but that offense is inept. Uh, or not inept. The offense is good, but they dominated by getting to the QB and stopping the run. And so Shaquan also had 14 carries for 28 yards. That's pathetic when you have an amazing running back like that. So O-line for the Giants is just it's just terrible. That's it for reviewing Week 9. It is time to preview uh, Week 10. Uh, Chargers versus Raiders Thursday night. Key to the game is Phillip Rivers attacking the secondary. Uh, Raiders again have the 31st pass defense. That's bad, of course. And Phillip Rivers has targets to throw to, has backs to throw to. And just now also to consider is this another loss by the Chargers by giving up a certain amount of points, by playing from behind. Is it going to be consistent? So the Raiders offensively are good too, uh, but definitely the key to this game or what to look for is uh, Phillip Rivers attacking that secondary. Uh, Giants versus Jets. Uh, who has the better offensive line protection is what's going to come down to or even run blocking. It's definitely what's going to come down to that. That would definitely aid the team uh, to win this game. Uh, Falcons versus Saints. Will Falcons play from behind? They're coming off of a bye week. So are the Saints. Uh, so both teams are definitely prepared for this upcoming week. Um, and so the question begs to mind, no matter if it's Matt Schaub playing for quarterback or Matt Ryan playing QB for the Falcons, 
Um, it, the question is, will they play from behind? Because that's definitely been the theme of the season, is that there's no way that defense is going to make stops. They proved to be one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Um, and going against the Saints with Drew Brees, and despite not throwing vertically as much, it's still a successful offense because they can pound the ball with no problem. And they call play actions a lot just with intermediate routes. And a lot of those receivers, especially with Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn and other guys, can definitely uh, get some yak or yards after the catch because they're so good at breaking tackles, because they're so good at, at escaping one-on-ones or double coverages because of how good they run their routes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be the question here is will they play from behind? Chiefs versus Titans. Uh, can the Titans offense keep up there? I don't think Titans defense has a chance to be able to make a stop, uh, defensively against the Chiefs offense. Patrick Holmes may return this week, but if he doesn't, they're good with Matt Moore. Uh, so the question is, can Tannehill throw over 300 yards for, I believe, the fourth consecutive time of his start? Um, as well as not turning over the ball and just attacking that secondary. The Chiefs secondary is, is, is not as, it's below average. The run defense is below average, but they made in, uh, huge strides by stopping the Vikings, or at least keeping Dalvin Cook from not even getting 100 yards rushing. Um, so that's... And Derrick Henry is a good back too, but that O-line is not as good as the Vikings O-line. Um, but then again, it's, it, it comes down to can Ryan T- Tannehill keep up and be able to lead the Titans, um, not only scoring a bunch of points offensively, but also to a win. Ravens versus Bengals. Ryan Finley's first start. I know nothing about Ryan Finley. All I know is that he came from North Carolina State University playing QB as a fifth-year senior. That's all I know about him. Andy Dalton is benched, and I don't think they'll succeed uh, this week. I think they'll go 0-9 um, just because of who they're playing, and it's the Ravens. They have no run defense. They have terrible secondary play, too. And so to imagine a team that's winless beat a team that just beat the Patriots I'm not going to buy it. I mean, it's any given Sunday, but at least for this Sunday matchup, I'm sticking with the Ravens in this one. Bills versus Browns. Again, as I mentioned before, and that's going to be the overall theme of this game is Kareem Hunt's return and how they'll use him. Will it be just run, 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 pass? Will it be that way? Will it be an identity where it's zone scheme with a QB under center? Will it be an identity where it's an RPO? Will it be an identity where they'll call power or inside zones? That's something to consider, but also how will they use Kareem Hunt? That's what I'm thinking about, or at least that's the overall theme is Kareem Hunt's return. I'm sticking with the Bills in this one. I don't usually do predictions. I just do overall theme. I mean, I do predictions for uh, the season, but per game, I, I usually don't do that. Um, but I just, because record, because any team again can be beaten on any Sunday, but again, I don't trust the the Browns in this situation. Cardinals versus Buccaneers. 
another one turnover game for Jameis Winston. He didn't throw a pick last week in Seattle, but he fumbled the ball. So, and the Cardinals defense isn't that great, but Jameis Winston is definitely. But yeah, Jameis uh, Winston, I, I, I must have gotten cut off there. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, Jameis Winston isn't that great uh, either. So, uh, nevertheless, I do think it's going to be competitive. But oh man, Jameis is Jameis is bad. Lions versus Bears. Uh, which QB will earn their uh, their trust with their coach again? That's uh, that's the question that comes uh, to mind. Mitchell Trubisky playing like trash. Matt Stafford, despite having good stats, doesn't doesn't seem to have a trust of Matt Patricia. It's just, will this game help them at least develop or, or maintain or at least improve the QB coach relationship? That's that's the question here. And then, of course, the Dolphins versus Colts. This might be a competitive game, actually. Every first half the Dolphins have been, it's been competitive, except the Patriots, of course. Um, I think they played the Patriots this year, uh, but nevertheless, the games they've played in thus far, it's been uh, it's been competitive. It really has been, uh, at least in the first half. In the second half, they struggle, and they end up losing the game. But um, despite struggling in the second half last week, they still managed to beat the Jets and get the first win. Um, so this might be a competitive game. Um, this might be competitive. That's, uh, and I, I'm saying that because of how well the Dolphins do play in the first half. And again, the Colts can run the ball with no problem. Uh, Dolphins don't have uh, a tremendous run defense, but, but still, this might be competitive. Panthers versus Packers. Um, dominating the trade and shoes again. Like the Panthers have a successful rushing offense. Chris McCaffrey may be the MVP this year. And the Packers are ranked 27th in rushing yards allowed per game. So it, they may get be smacked in the mouth again. And then also to point this out, it's going to be important for the Packers offensively to not only get in the rhythm, but to be able to establish a run. Right? They, they are. Uh, they have the weapons to throw to, but they certainly don't want to be in pass-heavy situations. They certainly want to be able to be able to run the ball and then do play action to not only give Rodgers time, of course, but man, Rodgers can definitely throw again. He's one of the best arm talents in the NFL and throws very accurately. And um, that's got to be the key because the Panthers, despite being, I believe, 32nd and not blitzing defensively, they're still ranked first in sacks. So what does that tell you? Third down situations or when a team calls a pass play with no play action and it's not a quick pass, it's a five to seven step drop, that defensive line will definitely get to the QB. So nevertheless, I think Matt LaFleur this week will certainly focus on um, establishing the run and calling play action. And then again, the main focus of this game is definitely will the Packers run defense be able to stop or at least hold Christian McCaffrey under 100 yards rushing or even 90 yards rushing. So that's that's the question there. 
Rams versus Steelers. It's going to be golf versus Steelers defense. It's, that's, I mean, as I mentioned before, the Steelers are definitely going to be reliant on run, on running the ball. Uh, but the Rams offense has slowly but slowly but surely been transitioning to a pass-heavy offense. They still do play actions, of course. They still occasionally run the ball, especially with Todd Gurley. They haven't been successful running the ball, but most certainly they've been successful passing the ball. They have weapons to throw to, of course. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, and of course, if given, uh, Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield and catching the ball. So they have amazing weapons to throw to. It's just how how can he throw it against, I would argue, a, a good Steelers defense and a very good secondary. Um, so that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, for the Rams, who again had two weeks to prepare for the Steelers, they had a bye this past week. Um, that's probably going to be the focus is how can golf attack that secondary. Vikings versus Cowboys. Which Kirk Cousins will we see? Will we see the Kirk Cousins that can barely throw the ball accurately? Are we this, or will we see the Kirk Cousins that's a pro bowler or even the MVP by the way he's played the past few weeks prior to the Chiefs game? And it's Sunday night football. He does not do well for whatever reason in primetime games. Um, so, and that Cowboys defense is good. They, they are good. Um... That Vikings defense will probably hold the Cowboys offense. It just depends on which Kirk Cousins we'll see. That will be the theme of the game. And last but definitely not least, Seahawks versus 49ers. I'm going to say Seahawks offense against the 49ers defense. And... I'm not, I would have said Jimmy G versus Russell Wilson. Matter of fact, I believe this is their first matchup ever, starter to starter. However, the Seattle Seahawks defense isn't that, isn't that good. They have Bobby Wagner, of course. They have Jaden Clowney, some nice pieces. But that San Francisco offense runs the ball well. They protect the QB pretty well. Their play actions are just effective. And in pass, and if they're in passing situations where they can't call play action, still effective. But on the other side of the ball, their defense is phenomenal and young. And Russell Wilson is phenomenal. And he, and he, and I believe 29 years old. So I guess still young in the NFL. But nevertheless, he's, he's phenomenal. Amazing. And has weapons to throw to. So that's going to be the matchup there. And that's it for previewing the games. And as I slowly but surely uh, will end this episode. Just pointing out the playoff picture we got right now in terms of standings. And when I mentioned in the hunt. So teams that are not in the 5th or 6th place uh, position or playoff seed if you will. Um, I'm only counting teams that at least have 4 wins or more. Um, so that one, because in technicality, everyone else is in the hunt, no matter if they're one and seven or zero oh and eight. But that's those are teams that most likely get eliminated. So I'm only including four plus win teams here. Uh, starting with the AFC, so far we got New England at an eight one record. Number two, Baltimore Ravens with a six and two record. Number three, the Texans with a six and three record. 
Number four, the Chiefs with a six and three record. Number five, Bills with a six and two record. And number six, Colts with a five and three record. <clears throat> and in the hunt in the AFC, it's Raiders with a four and four record. It's Chargers with a four and five record. It's Steelers with a four and four record. And it's Jaguars with a four and five record. And last but not least, Titans with a four and five record. So that's what we're dealing in terms of playoff pictures there. And then the NFC, we got number one, the 49ers with an 8 0 record. Number two, we got the Saints with a 7 1 record. Number three, we got the Packers with a 7 2 record. Number four, we got the Cowboys with a 5 3 record. Number five, we got the Seahawks with a 7 2 record. And last but not least, number six, we got the Vikings with a 6 3 record. And the, and the rest of the teams are in the hunt. They at least have, again, four-plus wins. Um, our Eagles with five and four, Rams with five and three, and Panthers with five and three. So right now I'm thinking this may go either way. Anything can happen again. But what I feel like what we might get at the end of the year and when playoffs are set up and based on the talent and the coaching staff – and somewhat of the schedule too. Um, New England, I say they go 14 and 2. Houston, I say they go 13 and 3. They'll be number two in terms of playoff positioning. Kansas City to go 11 and 5. Number four would be Baltimore 11 and 5. Number five would be Buffalo 12 and 4. Number six, Los Angeles 10 and 6. NFC, we got number one, San Francisco with a 15 and 1 record. I'm predicting that their only loss in the year will be to the Saints. Number two, New Orleans Saints with a 14-2 record. Green Bay with a 13-3 record. I would, I would feel like for the rest of the games, their only loss from a 7-2 standpoint is going to be San Francisco. They'll give them the third loss of the year. Um, yeah, 13-3. Philadelphia, I would say the one in the division uh, with a 10-6 record. St. Louis, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Los Angeles Rams, uh, 12 and 4, number 5, and in number 6, the Panthers with 11 and 5 record. This NFC conference, or at least, uh, yeah, conference is competitive and just be able to get to a wild card spot. I feel like a team to be able to stay safe and sure that they'll get in will need at least win 11 games because it's that competitive. At the AFC, you can get away with being 10 and 6 and get a 5 or, or 6 C position. But I do, I do slide with the Bills here. Granted, they're not explosive offensively. They do have one vertical threat, John, John Brown, but he's not as consistent. Josh Allen still has accuracy issues. And the offense is very dependent on running the ball. Which there's nothing wrong with the offense that can dominate just by running. But if you can stack the box in a bare front defensively and have a numbers advantage there. Um, and an offense can't throw the ball or at least struggles to throw the ball. Then it's going to be very difficult to run the ball. Again, numbers advantage, technique advantage, position advantage, stuff like that. But I, because of the rest of the schedule, I do trust the Bills. And then with the Chargers, they've seen to always manage to finish strong at the end of the year. 
And because they have a tiebreaker with the Colts currently, I mean, not currently, but if it goes this way, I do think the Colts will also go 10 and 6. But I think like the Chargers will have that tiebreaker because they beat the Colts week one. So that's that's the question there. Um, is is will the Chargers even make it? Or will these teams, will this end up happening? Will New England actually lose a couple more games because they currently have no vertical threat offensively? Despite Tom Brady leading, uh, I believe, leading, being second in passing yards. So that's that's the question that comes to mind. Um, so, but then again, I, I try not to make predictions. I only make predictions in the beginning of the season. Uh, but... Again, this I felt like this was fun to point out the playoff picture as we enter, or at least have now started, the second half of the season. I thought this was fun. But that is the that is the ending of today's episode. I will release another episode on Friday just over my one take over the relationship between Matt Patricia and Matthew Stafford and what could happen there, depending on how the season goes. But nevertheless, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you're listening to this in the morning, hope your morning is going well. If you're listening to this in the afternoon, hopefully your afternoon is going well. If you're listening to this at night, hopefully you get some sleep. But again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, and have a kick-ass, wonderful day. And I will publish and talk to y'all on Friday. <laughs>